Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Musician's Journey podcast. Today I'm talking with Burak Mungan, who one day found me on OkCupid and asked, not for a date, but if I would be interested in participating in a type of music making called Kirtan. I'd never heard of Kirtan before, so I said yes. And since then I've participated in a few events of this kind here in Stockholm. The music in this episode is made up of some tiny snippets of how a Kirtan session can sound like. And if it's not something that tickles your pickle, I anyway hope that you can find our conversation interesting. I'll leave it to Burak to introduce himself. So I am Burak and I was born and I grew up in Istanbul, uh, which is a city around 20 million right now. <laughs> so it's quite a big place. And about 11 years ago, I moved to Sweden, to Stockholm. And I have a very diverse background in my, you know, in my endeavors in life, academically or professionally, or even in terms of my interests. So I studied engineering and sustainability, and then I moved into more marketing. And and now I'm I, I'm also interested in other things such as yoga and performing music. And right now I'm studying at Hyper Island to be a business developer. And Right now, I'm sitting in, in a retreat center in Värmland. That's me, in short. <laughs> yeah. How did your uh, journey with music start? Hmm, good one. I think uh, if I really have to be honest, I think it started in, in the toilets. <laughs> I will spend a lot of... I mean, not hours, of course, but much more than needed amount of time in the bathroom. You know, the, the, the tiles on the walls, the bathroom tiles. Yeah. They make a really good drum. <laughs> <laughs> if you know, if you can find the empty one. So <laughs> I was spending hours, you know, playing with my fingers, like finger tapping on the, on the empty tiles on the bathroom. How, how old are you? The time I'm talking about could be any time from three years old to 10. I don't know. Yeah. So I was really interested in the rhythm a lot at the time. And uh, as, I, as I put it, I would, I would just sit there because that's the only chance to drum. I didn't have an, another drum, so I would just play on this. And I could, then I started to play on anything. I could make, make some sound. But I'm not a drummer. It's just, it was just fun. That's the start of it. But then it evolved into other things along the way yeah did you play in a band or something um yeah in high school uh we had a band uh but before that there's something more <laughs> important i think if i think of music more in a in a more holistic way yeah um i was a football fan uh and back when i grew up where i grew up football was basically everything you know and you identified a lot and you actually was devoting yourself into, into your football team. It was almost like, like religion, you know? So for that reason, you would always sink to your team to show your love and, you know, and also your hate for the other teams. <laughs> so I think in, in between those times, between high schools and, and really early childhood, I was again using the tables, the desks in the school. To make literally like we will play for hours. We will drive the whole school headmaster crazy because, you know, when you hit a desk, 
the, the vibration goes down the whole through the whole building. Mm. But we loved it so much. We were singing to any melody that you could find. We would chant so much. So I think that's also part of a musical journey for me. And I can see a shift from that time to today, which maybe I will tell a bit more later what I do now. So in high school, yes, I was um, with a few friends. We had a band. We spent uh, time in the studios. We sometimes had some chance to play on the stage, but we didn't have a regular gig. You know, we just, uh, we were pretty much focused on our school. So it wasn't really, there was not much gap for that. But we did have a band. We were mostly playing grunge and uh, brick pop, if you may. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was the singer guy uh, because there was always others who played the guitar better. <laughs> uh, so you related to music making uh, your whole life in various ways. I think so. I, I find it more like, um, I see it more like a language to express yourself. So you can express yourself in different ways. You can use words, you can use body language, you can use, you know, different things. And this is another way of communicating, expressing your, your passion, your wishes and everything. So uh, one time it could be football. Another time it could be, you know, for a broken heart, it could be something else. There was always a way to let it out, to burst that energy out. And mostly, you know, I see it more like a collective interaction rather than sitting on my own and playing, but more there's some exchange of energy and um, some sort of vibration between people when they make music together. It's so easy to see in others what I don't have myself. Uh, I think this is the case for many people. So I have been on a bit on the other side. I am very happy when I can just make music on my own and no one else hear it ever. <laughs> and I really admire this urge to get people together and co-create something. And I'm very happy that you're here actually because you bring an aspect of music making that is not yet represented in this podcast which is uh, kirtan which is an incredibly inclusive way of making music where everyone are welcome to sing along and often to play along on one whatever instrument they prefer which can even be an instrument they don't really know how to play that well. Uh, so for those who haven't come across Kirtan before, can you say something about what that is? Of course. Uh, in its original form, Kirtan is uh, chanting devotional songs to the deities, uh, Hindu deities. That's the theoretical understanding of it. This is what we do when you sing Kirtan and you, you chant those songs. But in practice, I would say you don't need to even think of too much what you're singing about there is always some sort of vibration out there so it's more about coming together singing along to repetitive very easy short poems basically if you want to say it's they are dedicated they're about invoking the deities and that repetition and the rhythm you keep together 
to me, that's extremely powerful. And I really love uh, the exchange there so much that I almost stopped playing and singing on my own. <laughs> mm. That has become, that almost feels like speaking on my own if I would make music on my own, you know, because it has turned into a language that I can use more on the collective level rather than, of course, I do play on my own, but I easily get bored. Whereas if I'm with other people and I feel their contribution to it, that becomes so powerful. And at the same time, I would say this is not really my field, but my experience, my personal experience is that it, it helps me to regulate my nervous system as well. It has this therapeutic effect, you know, to really calm me down. And you could, you could go into this polyvagal theory and, and how, how you can use these tools such as drumming together and singing together that really helps your vagus nerve to really <laughs> calm down. And that is, uh, I can say that I, I have embodied that effect. I'm not just saying it because I heard it somewhere, but I can say that when I'm out of singing together with a few people, even spontaneously, I can feel it immediately on my body. So it's a very embodied experience for me. Hmm. And it can make you really open up because when you repeat the same words and the same chord progression, the same... Uh, rhythm over and over it's a bit like because uh, you do yoga as well so it, there is a similarity then to when when you have done a yoga uh, session many many times so that you don't have to think about what you're doing that much anymore and then there is you know your whole focus is then used to really expand your whole experience without you even trying and I feel that that's what happens in Kirtan as well because you you stop thinking about the words and all of it because you you learn it so quickly and then it grows into something unpredictable totally I think you're referring to the state of flow um, it's very easy to get into that state again even you don't have to understand the words or you don't even know the words you can hum You know, it's just about being together next to other people and singing to together to a rhythm. And then I, I have also noticed that when you sing together, it's also easier to sing because you kind of curb the edges of the sound where you can't reach. It becomes easier to just follow up and just be part of that collectiveness. You know, there's there's you don't have to reach that high pitch, right? You can just take it as much as you can. And that's yielding, that humbleness is really relaxing for me and then that's that's where I, i guess what you mentioned goes in you don't have to think it's just you just close your eyes and you you are there it's happening in a flow on its own and so i i find a lot of similarity between the technology of yoga and you know anything similar tantra yoga or chanting they are to me they're all modalities they're all tools to allow you or to help you to reach yourself, to feel a more embodied experience in your life. How has it uh, affected your life? Um, not in a very concrete way. It's more subtle, I would say. I mean, I, as I said, I always had some some sort of uh, exhaust. Like I could always let out my my energy in a way, in, in some way. When I was 15, it was football when I was 20, maybe it was more singing to grunge Nirvana songs. <laughs> mm. um, I, can, I can maybe speak from a facilitator point of view. 
leading the energy in the in a group of people um and sometimes you know lifting it up and then dropping it down and as they think that this is over this song is over to restart it and to have that surprise and all these things it is extremely fun i mean i don't need to use any fancy word it's really 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 exciting and yeah i love that aspect of it as well i'm i'm in no way a trained musician or anything i i have taken some sort of education at high school but i wouldn't say i'm i'm a trained musician at least not classically trained musician but to me in this aspect in this context music is all about passing an emotion across basically a recording or a live performance no i wouldn't want to say performance but some some sort of sound made live or recorded if you if you are passing out that emotion to me that is that's how i would describe music in this context so i think that has been my focus it helped me to explore and navigate new ways of passing that emotion to other people so it's just another way of communication as i said yeah I'm I'm just thinking about the times I played in an orchestra that there is uh it, it's still you know possible to maintain uh a sense of professionalism so if I play with an orchestra then afterwards we all can separate and go to our own things but I feel in a kirtan event then there is a totally different type of bonding that happens between the people who take part. It feels like such an ancient and inherently human way of connecting. I can only agree, really, because um, it feels like you are on a journey together, really, and it includes all the emotions that can that may come up during that journey. It can be ecstasy, it can be a sudden you know flux of tears but they're always always welcome and when you when you feel in that safe space when you're contained with the sound with the community and you know it's it's more like a soup where you immerse and you simmer all these emotions together and then when you come out it's almost like being out of a washing machine mm. i don't mean it as a transcendence feeling because to me it's not going high it's more going in when i'm singing i don't feel like i want to transcend and you know lift up and reach some state of consciousness which is not accessible otherwise to me it makes me go more in um i feel more and more in my body more grounded afterwards that's the effect yeah and i i want to maybe make a comment on the orchestra thing i used to go to a lot of concerts when i was i was very much into classical music and opera and even all sorts of stage arts where there was an orchestra involved and i would i would definitely say when there's a live orchestra to me that would immediately give a different kind of effect because it fills the room in a different kind of you know you can you can feel it you can feel it i could feel it in my you know my arms i would have goosebumps always when it's live and it will be a definitely a different experience when it's live so in a way it's it's still reflecting on the audience i would say even if it's a very professional and very technical uh thing i i will i will definitely feel it in that um emotional domain you know i will feel feel the instruments definitely i uh, hadn't heard of kirtan before i met you uh, yeah it's this uh underground <laughs> 
kind of thing. Or is it something that is uh, trending and growing? Do you have a feeling of? Uh... I would be very biased if I say it's growing because I'm in it in this in this group of friends. Um, to be honest, I I don't really have a vision or purpose when I do this. It's for me, it's just about coming with together with other people. But if I would have one, that will be to demystify it. Yeah. Um, to make it more accessible. And again, not for any sort of, I'm not religious, you know, I'm, I'm an atheist. I can't say I'm, I have the same connection as a Hindu practicing Hindu would have, but to me still, it, it doesn't stop me from feeling the vibrations of those singing and, and the words. I can also relate to the deities. If I, if I want to, I can feel the energy of some of the deities for sure. Sometimes I just repeat these songs myself as well, you know, just as a method of, it comes naturally. I don't even think about it. I sing it and then it moves things through me if I feel stuck for sure. So I, I, I'm not surprised that you haven't heard. Maybe I hadn't heard it until five, six years ago. But as I said, it's a little bit of a um, esoteric uh, practice. Maybe that is why I prefer I just usually, you know, you maybe remember how I invite people to sing together. I don't usually reuse any specific word. I just say, let's sing along together and, you know, let's gather together and sing together. And then I put some context. It can be medicine songs, shaman, shaman songs, or, you know, kirtan or anything else that you want to bring in. It could be anything as long as it doesn't take us too far from the, you know, the, the journey that we are in. So maybe, maybe I wouldn't say it's a growing trend, but maybe people need it more, especially in these days uh, when we feel the lack of connection with each other. And, and that's when it really becomes a, even a more obvious, you know, missing feeling, a sensation to be with other people. Yeah. And to overcome this uh, idea that making music is only for so-called musicians. I I really like you brought up the demystifying it because uh, I'm sure there would be people who would be deterred from participating because of this religious aspect of it. So we sing to Ganesha and we sing to Krishna. It, it's kind of weird that that feels okay because like, I'm an uh, atheist too and I can sing to Ganesha sure <laughs> that's fine <laughs> but I wouldn't be able to sing to Jesus or uh, any other of the it's it's really interesting I think you're spotting you're spot on on something I could maybe highlight a bit um, I grew up in Turkey where I would hear the the prayer five times a day and as someone that I didn't, as someone not practicing, if it becomes too much, if it becomes intrusive, I would probably have a little bit of an allergy to it. You know, I would, I would not want to sing to, you know, Muslim songs perhaps at the time. But as I took distance from it, like I haven't lived in Turkey for 11 years and I haven't really spent too much time. It's maybe in total one month since I left. As I took the distance from it, I have noticed a relaxation about it. And also there's obviously there's some sort of political oppression question, not for Norway, of course, but I'm, I'm more speaking for Turkey. But as I moved away from it, I felt more and more 
relaxed about i really enjoy for example a ney artist you know the the instrument ney it's a it's a sufi instrument made from bamboo and i always enjoyed it anyway but i always had some sort of trouble with relating to the to the you know religious aspects of it although this is quite a mystical part of religion you know it wasn't really a rigid kind of um, dogmatic it was very much about loving everyone <laughs> yeah what i would like to say is that as you take distance from that sometimes that 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 thing dissolves a little bit now sometimes i hear some yogis friends playing without even knowing they they play some songs that's that's a muslim chant and i would say 10 years ago that will be a total no for me i wouldn't be able to even want to hear it maybe um but right now i i totally feel more easy and even i enjoy it myself i i really like to hear anything that can let me calm down and or get me in a flow state you know not that i'm saying that there's any secret formula or anything about it but i i noticed this transformation within myself that for example if i grew up in a christian community as an atheist i could maybe also feel the same thing about jesus but i do love christmas songs <laughs> <laughs> They're often about Santa or a snowman, yeah, yeah, not maybe. about. <laughs> yeah, all right. So, so maybe maybe there is something there definitely that, that is related to where you want to distance yourself from. And also the fact that we don't know much as not practitioners, we don't know much about for me Ganesh is about removing ob- obstacles, you know, yeah. releasing what is not needed anymore. And that's it. So that that vibration is is already something for me to kind of relate yoga sometimes when uh, chanting has been involved i sometimes find it uh, well i know impossible is a strong word but sometimes i just can't join in the chanting or the singing and this is a little bit of a mystery for me i i'm not sure what it's about but there there's just something very special about the voice and to use it <laughs> <laughs> to actually use it were you ever shy about using your voice i mean now you're very outward going and uh, you do whatever you feel like it seems to me well ragnil you would be surprised if i said half of the time i don't chant in a yoga class if there is an invitation oh uh, yeah totally i mean i don't feel for it in the moment i just stay silent and of course that's also welcome um it's really how i feel in that moment i just honor myself and you know do i want to sing no then mm-hmm. fine it's totally okay so uh, <laughs> i could put a ne- number on it like half of the times i don't sing and i don't know the reason maybe in that moment the way i feel <sighs> i don't see that my body wants to release any sound in that moment and it's equally enjoyable when i just listen and take in the others voices it's like being surrounded by showered by uh, you know a container of of people totally but about the accessibility question i think that's also a, a good good 
point, especially for someone like me, I'm, I'm, I'm going out and I'm telling people, Hey, come and play with me and sing with me. Like you are, a, to me, you are a pro- very professional musician and I feel very honored when you come and play with me. Uh. And what I'd like to say is that in the end, it's just a sound, right? If, if it's, if you enjoy it while you make it and if you don't disturb anybody else in their own space, to me, that's music anyway. So the stigma around it is perhaps something um, we might work around. You know, I, I always put it out there like I'm not trained. So I just do my best and I hope you like it. Mm. And I hope you join. Mm. You're uh, an expert at uh, taking that leap. You will be the first to go full power in when you're singing. And then everyone else feels, you know, okay, now it's okay to do that <laughs> yeah yeah i think there is some as i said it's so much fun to to do that um you know ups and downs and just surf that wave of momentum of of the energy of people it's it's really really fun i mean i don't need any other words <laughs> mm. how have you been exploring your musical expression um I think exploring is best when there's a meaningless or not meaningless, but purposeless wandering. You know, when I, when I sit down with a friend and just improvise or base on something, you know, put, put a base out there, like some, some sort of chords and then move from there with some voice additions and in and outs. And that's when I feel I reach really this, this creativity, expressive, um, expressive value in that. Um, of course, it's almost always fun, equally fun to just follow a list of songs, especially if there's some people who can improvise. I can improvise with my voice, but I, I won't be too much able to improvise with the guitar or other things, you know, with the drum. Uh, but I love to improvise with my voice. And I sometimes I just try to understand where do I feel comfortable when I sing? Because uh, by default, I think I'm more close to a lower pitch, you know, baritone. But then some days I feel I just want to sing like a bird. You know, I just want to be squeaky and like ah, hum and go with all these falsettos, whatever you want to call them, all these. Mm-hmm. So that, that's where I feel uh, most exploring with my own voice. And when there is someone who is willing to improvise with that, take along with that. Mm. When you have uh, an hour free, I know you're very busy with... Uh, studying and all kinds of things but when you have one hour that you can spend on music making how do you spend that hour i started to explore a little bit uh using microphones at home i have a very small you know home studio and i i play with the settings of that microphone and i see how my voice can change with adding a bit more reverb or less or delay so I usually do those kind of things these days, um, of course, with the guitar. And but as I said, somehow I, I, I usually get bored <laughs> at some point if I play on my own. I feel like I'm just talking with my own. And halfway when I'm playing a song, for example, I'm, I get bored halfway. But if there's somebody next to me, then I would kind of move forward and play the same song for 20 minutes. So I like to extend the songs and by that, I also like to really go in like in a curve up and down, up and down, a bit like yoga, actually, because in the yoga, in the flow of kind of yoga, 
you also start on the floor mostly and then you start to a little bit warm up and move a bit more higher and then you cool down and then you have a rest with shavasana so i also like to see the music a bit like that with this sinusoidal waves go a little bit high powerful and then lower it so that's how i explore my time when i do that when i have the time and when i like to explore and with the microphone it becomes also more fun because that also helps me to kind of manipulate a little bit (laughs) i'm really hoping to expand this idea of what it means to be a musician for many people a lot of people uh, really feel that it's a bit of a ridiculous word almost you know that it's something that we all are and we can all do Uh, something that I think Kirtan shows really well it's uh, it's been a little harder to get people to interview who don't have this formal education because they have this idea that oh no I'm not a musician (laughs) (laughs) it's uh I think when you fail yourself as as the leader, when you are making some music, I'm I'm usually getting out of the tune, right? I, I almost do it on purpose sometimes because um, I would like to make others also relax a bit, yeah, so that they can see that you can't fail. There is no right or wrong. You just sing. You just get it out. And uh, usually, so where I am right now, I have done quite a few kirtans last year. When I'm, when I'm visiting in the retreats or courses, um, I usually find a few people and have like this instant house band. And there are sometimes really funny moments. I take a drum and I give it to someone and I say, can you please drum for me? Because drumming is really, really like adding a lot of power. They're like, I have never touched a drum in my life. <laughs> totally fine. Please just, would you like to, would you like to try at least, you know, give them the option to, and and usually it turns out fine. I mean, it's all about in the end, it's take whatever, take some spoons, make some sound from anything that makes sound, you know. And this is not to underestimate the formal education and the value that comes with it. It's just to to say that we can still have fun, we can still create something and be creative with our expressions of creativity. And just that they have never done this before should not be a hindrance to stop that. We can still co-create. And I'm maybe a good example by leading by example, because as I said, I'm, I've maybe taken some education, but nothing close to a point where I could call myself a musician. But I, I go there and I dare and say, hey, we will do this together. <laughs> we are the house band now, like instant house band, just add water, you know. I love the, I love the, also the spontaneity in it, because if it's too much early planned, if you start to talk or tell them, hey, can you play in three days or something? That brings a lot of expectations and a lot of stress. But if you do it very much in the moment, like very spontaneously, I you don't have time to think too much. You just do it very somatically. You just go there and do it. And that's when the beauty comes out, I think, when it's becoming really fun for everyone. <laughs> and the, the vulnerability to to admit that you are you are imperfect and you will always be imperfect. You just you can fail, you can you can fuck up, and it's fine because it's a safe space. So you play guitar and you sing and you. Uh, which other instruments are you comfortable with? I uh, when I was very little, uh, we were basically force-fed uh, flute. Ah. 
like recorder uh, or I don't know the name. It was a student flute. Like uh, I don't know what's the name of that one. Um, we had a very competent music teacher, but in 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 at the same time, because of the pressure of grades, I hated it. Um, I I would almost I I would ace maths and science, but I would fail almost from music. <laughs> mm. So at the time we learned the solfege and flute and everything, but over the I mean, I don't really, I can maybe play a few songs from there, but I can basically use the guitar and drums when I want to. But it's more, for me, it's more, you know, combining other people's also uh, contributions into it in a way that's not an instrument, but more like, I think I like to be in the center if I can and to basically help this transition between instruments and the combination of it. And not not in any way, in any technical way. It's just just finding that flow within uh, other instruments. So, but I could drum if I, if I'm needed. And as I said, I could make, I would be interested to make music from anything that makes sound from the door in Turkish. We have an expression uh, to dance to the, to the door. Like when you close the door, it makes a squeaky sound. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and we say like, if, if you're dancing to that, to the door, you could dance to anything. Any anything can come as music for you. But I, I'm I'm also maybe when you ask me how it started, I'm realizing more and more the influences I have I have gathered along my life, and definitely the land that I was born, uh, which is a very diverse place with all sorts of different music musical influences from Arab lands, from I don't know, from Armenia, from Greece, from different places. The Russian orchestra actually. The um, Don Korsakov Orchestra, they were escaping the revolution in Russia and they came and stayed in Istanbul for some years and it continued from there, actually. there I think some of the members are still active. So there is this melting point. And I can see how it has... I can notice myself singing a bit like uh, Arabesque when I sing the Kirtans. And I don't know the meaning in English, but in, in Arabic or Turkish, you would say Name, which means you add a little bit of an extra spice to the melody. You don't just sing it straight. So it's a very interesting combination, really, to, to combine all these things. And then I can see myself still using a bit of a grunge voice sometimes, mm. you know, like uh, using this, uh, which is also not so good for the vocal cords. But, <laughs> you know, it's, it's really a fine... I love, I love that um, these different influences in some way I, I, I like to notice them, how they really make my, me as me today and comes out as a gift to pass on. Yeah. So how do you see your Kirtan journey continuing? Do you have uh, ideas of things you want to do this year? I, totally, totally. I I really wish that we are going to be soon over the pandemic. And yeah. I do want some regularity around it as well actually you know because every time it has been few people that come often but i do want to have like a stable group of people maybe we can even have our own because it's not so hard to improvise something together you know the lyrics as i said it's just one line usually and when you feel it it just comes i would like to have a band where or not a band but a circle where there's a core group members who come together and 
but at the same time i don't mean to close the the door it's just it's just some core and then always enriched by new people coming in and out that's how i would like to continue with that and i'm sure many other people are really interested in this it's just you know the limitations right now yeah and and so many people don't know that it exists as well yeah yeah i was actually speaking with a friend here uh, like this morning he's from Hare Krishna group and they are really actually like a little bit of a closed group because I don't know how to if I wanted I don't know how to join Hare Krishna <laughs> it's a little bit less underground or at least not so easily visible in society but I think as I said if I had any purpose I would that would be about demystifying this you know just bring your your voice and join the join the group join the circle mm. Um, up until now, I've had one question that I've asked everyone, which is, what does it mean to be a musician? Um, being a musician means using sound or composing sound to pass emotions to other people. Is that any, is that a pass? <laughs> oh, totally, totally. Yeah. Joking, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of um, trying to change my rhetoric, though. I feel like it's so entrenched in language, these um, barriers that I really want to break. So uh, what does it mean to be a musician? means really, what does it mean as a human being to partake in music making or something like that? Mm-hmm. Huh. I'm gonna. I will go through a tr- transition uh, now this week and see if I can make my language match my intention. I, th- I think it will be completely different. It will mean different things in different centuries. I mean, what will be being a musician in the 16th century? Hmm. It will be all about you know composing what we call classical music today and then turning it into orchestration and and then being able to perform it, right? <laughs> Yeah, but at the same time, there has always been folk music. Yeah, troubadours as well, yeah. Which had the low status and maybe therefore wasn't the most celebrated in the history books. Totally. That's what I was trying to say there. I think the elitist approach will be even more visible in earlier centuries. But today, I think there's more acceptance that, especially with this you know the the way the media consumption changes everyone has their chance to express what they want to express but i can perhaps say that what what you what you say that it was overlooked i don't, i think it was quite recent even i mean it was always a, li- a little bit like folkloric it's a bit like you know ordinary and not really counting as music it's more i can give an example from rebetico the people who after the world war 1 the greek people moved from were expelled basically from turkey so they got on the boats they arrived in praus in athens and they were homesick they were missing their land in izmir and other parts and they gathered and they started to smoke and what 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 is called aman cafe aman is like aman is an exclamation of of uh, suffering of pain and these people were completely underground they were not allowed to make their music it wasn't even allowed i think for a long time because of course there must be political parts of it but 
but it was seen a bit low. They were smoking a little bit. They were getting in the mood. And so they would only gather underground and make their music. I can give similar examples in Turkey as well. Like some sort of therapeutic music or more folk, folk music has always been a little bit, you know, forbidden or at least not approved by the state status holders. And today we explore them. We, we kind of extract them from by mining them and we learn about them, I guess. Hmm. In Norway, there's this um, trend of uh, making folk rock using uh, folk tunes in a rock setting. Is that similar to what Morve Ötesi was doing? Yeah, you can say. They, especially they start to use more and more uh, traditional instruments, folkloric instruments, yeah. later on. Totally. But in the beginning, they were more like a pop rock band. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean also the 70s was the golden age of uh, psychedelic folk in turkey uh, and those samples those songs the melodies were so so powerful that they are being used today in a lot of rap songs or in you know do, have you heard about salda bajan salda no she's she's kind of one of the most popular um i don't know what's the name for it but where the djs remix a lot her old songs from the 70s because she uses all these uh, folk instruments but there's always some sort of psychedelic effect in it i don't know i really love that era uh, the 70s was it okay to use psychedelics in turkey in the 70s i don't know really but <laughs> say psychedelics i mean it more as a musical element okay. you know we these keyboards and then um, ah you know you know what i mean <laughs> But there, there is a song called Psychedelic Folk of the 70s. I even have a Spotify playlist uh, specifically for this music. Oh, really? What's it called? Uh, 70s Turkish Psychedelic Folk. Oh, okay. Just like that. <laughs> and it's, it's really coming back. It's really coming back in with remixes and everything. It's, it's amazing. It's so flowy. If you put it on a party, it immediately moves the floor, really, with the rhythms and with the... Um, but the instruments, the rawness of it. Because the 80s, when the 80s arrive, you lose it. It becomes too synthesized and all these things. 70s is the sweet spot for, for this, I think. Right. Of course, this is very personal taste, but I know I know a lot of people who are really into 70s, the psychedelic scene. Yeah. I'm going to find that playlist. I've been listening a lot to your Medicina playlist, as you know. It's uh, really great for yoga or uh, yeah sometimes when I just want a friendly atmosphere in the home maybe it's during winter and it's just dark and uh, sad and uh, this um, type of music can definitely bring some light yeah I understand put some candles and you know, make it uh, cozy at home yeah that's how I also do especially in winter yeah and I have a tendency of calling it the my cheesy hippie playlist <laughs> uh, there's this urge to acknowledge the peace and love aspect of it yeah I, I hear you i think i think some songs do that more subtle and some songs do it very much in your face <laughs> i prefer the subtlety uh, <laughs> when it's too much in your face it becomes a little bit like yeah, but I'm not feeling like that right now. I feel a lot of anger. I feel frustration. I feel sad. Why do you want me to be happy? I'm not. <laughs> uh, I want yeah. to. I want to be able to stay with certain emotions when I 
when I want to. I don't want to be forced out of them. Mm. Um, and those times, I think I, I prefer really a little bit more neutral, neutrality coming from the music. Not, not maybe from the instruments, but more from the lyrics. Yeah. Well, I think you've done a really good job uh, in that sense. I mean, in the playlist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of diversity, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's changing from time to time when I add, when I feel more like into mantras, I add a lot of mantras. And when I feel more this um, earth medicine songs, you know, more shamanic tunes, um, they have a different feeling. They have a very different aura, I think. You feel like in the Amazons and, oh. you know. Yeah. <laughs> I actually did a, a few songs yesterday here in the retreat. It was really, really nice. Very, very acoustic in a circle. Not not any arrangements, just, you know, there very spontaneously. It was, And those times it's preferred that it's not too high energy, too high frequency. It's not very shanti shanti. It's, it's more like easy, a little bit more easy listening because it, it fits better the atmosphere. Hmm. Where can people find out about the Kirtans and other events you're a part of? Good question. I've never thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> that could be one step in uh, demystifying it. <laughs> yeah, totally. I have never really, because there is no regularity around it, it's always start, probably Facebook. If anybody wants to hear about it, I usually announce it on Facebook or Instagram. But sometimes I don't even do it. It just happens very spontaneously between friends. But I guess when the corona is over, I will probably want to do it more public. Like bring more people. That's what I mean by public. And sometimes uh, it happens in a yoga studio and then it's pretty official when and where it happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. But as you know, sometimes it's just a home gathering between yeah. eight friends, maybe, you know, not more. Uh, but when it's happening out there, it's going to be on Facebook for sure. It's going to be on Instagram for sure. And for people who don't live in uh, Sweden, but who would be interested in uh, exploring if there is any kirtan happening where they live, how how would you go on about that? I would, def- I would definitely go to Facebook groups. That's, I think, where the events are usually being announced. There's uh, a few of them. I really don't know the name now, but Bhakti. Bhakti yoga is the yoga of devotion. So that's where kirtans are more surrounded. Uh, like wh- where where you see more kirtans happening if there are some bhakti yoga people somewhere. But there is also a group, I think, Kirtan Sferia. Or if you think global, I'm sure if you if you go in a group, uh, if you search groups on Facebook, that's how I would want to look if I would... But also, of course, in places like yoga studios, you, they also have sometimes, I, I did it in yoga studios, mostly in public or in retreat centers, of course, or in festival areas. So it's mostly around spiritual communities and that will be communicated through Facebook groups or yoga studios. And uh, uh, it's not always called Kirtan. It can be called medicine songs, for example. Mm, they are they are usually sung together. I mean, because they they have they bring a similar energy in a way in the big picture. Um, I, I, when you, when you say kirtan, you expect um, a person leading the basically leading the kirtan, and it's usually done in a call and response style. 
and there's also some sort of storytelling in it in the as i said in the more traditional form i don't like to talk too much between songs to be honest mm-hmm. i like to stay in silence as much as i can i just maybe explain a few words but i don't want to go into long talks it's not i my purpose is not really to give information there it's more about feeling it rather than thinking it uh if i would go to a kirtan i would expect also i would i wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of talks usually um uh, the the leaders they would like to explain what this song is from what is this deity about and what they represent in their you know in the belief system uh when it's medicine song i think it's more just about singing to mother nature and appreciating its gifts and you know devoting to to the sky and to the soil and to the seas and all this east west and mm. it's a, it has a more shamanic element in it and the animal spirits and uh so they are, i i see them mostly combined but if not you would still expect different things i would say and also cacao ceremonies are very common when people sing medicine songs i think ah really i have a friend who does it very often actually if yeah. anybody's interested, yeah matilda manakshi she she holds cacao ceremonies she's also a great yoga teacher huh. i'm uh, really looking forward to the end of the pandemic right now Me too. i wouldn't uh, mind the cacao ceremony i never did that oh really i should invite you next time <laughs> <laughs> yes do that it's also said that it's opening opening the heart and you know the same way as singing yeah thank you so much for uh, taking the time thank you so much for giving this chance to express Thank you for listening. I'll link to Burak's Facebook profile in the show notes, as well as to his Medicina playlist on Spotify, which I've enjoyed listening a lot to myself. If you want to support this podcast, you can make a donation through my page on Coffee, ko-fi.com slash the musician's journey podcast. For any comments or questions, my email address is in the show notes and on my website, ringelwesenberg.com. <laughs>